The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, folks. So glad that you could join us. Today we've got a great show, as you're always used to. We always have a great show. But today's guest is Dr. Lisa Bardwell. She is the CEO of an organization that I am wild about. Their mission and their programs are fantastic. And if you want to follow along on their website as we listen to what Dr. Bardwell has to say about their programs, then I think you're going to love it. Go to www.earthforce.org, and there you're going to see a tremendous organization with a mission that is bold and audacious. I love it. They're empowering young people to become not just aware of environmental issues in their community, but to actually engage in the civic process and in the policy process to actually improve the environment in their community and to benefit their community. So don't close this tab in your web browser. Open a new one as you listen to us on voiceamerica.com and check out their website at www.earthforce.org. Well, Dr. Bardwell, thank you so much for joining us on Go Green Radio. We're so glad to have you. Oh, thank you, Jill. I'm really excited to get to talk about Earthforce. Well, and I can understand why. Just a quick peruse of your website made me so excited to talk with you. Let's begin at the beginning. What is the mission of Earthforce? Okay. Well, the one we share with everyone is that we engage young people as active citizens who improve the environment and their communities now and in the future. And I think I want to build off of what you said. It's really about putting young people in the driver's seat around figuring out what are some environmental issues they really care about in their communities, and then being supported by adults as the young people do the research and planning they need to do to figure out how to basically, the way they would put it, fix it. Right. And the thing is, you know, we've all seen reports for years now about how civic engagement in the United States has been dwindling since the invention of the television, <laughs> basically. Uh, used to be that, you know, that was a big deal. People went to town hall meetings and, uh, you know, got in, involved in their community. But we're starting to see a resurgence in that, which I think is very exciting. And organizations like yours will actually help to train up those, you know, those youngsters who we hope will be active at city council meetings or uh, school board meetings or, you know, where public policy is being made. Tell us about the history of your organization. Give us the kind of the how, why, when did your organization begin? Sure. Um, well, EarthForce was born because leaders of the environmental field found that we weren't really preparing young people to play a critical role not only, um, certainly as young people, but also that they didn't have the skills as adults. So EarthForce was really a recognition that the best way to prepare a young person for that kind of civic engagement is to give them a hands-on experience in addressing environmental challenges. 
1994, Earth Force was started with a very generous gift from the Pew Charitable Trust. And we have been building on and improving that program and effort since then. And I can give you a blow-by-blow, but I think that that overview may be helpful, and we can touch on the history as we go through. You know, that is, it's kind of neat to talk to someone and to talk to an organization that was around before it was so cool to go green, you know, Mm -hmm. um, before it was almost in vogue. And, you know, a lot in, in the world has changed since your organization began. Same thing is true with my organization, the Go Green Initiative. We, we started in 2002, which is not uh, as long ago as Earth Force, but certainly at the time that, that we began, it, it just wasn't that mainstream to talk about going green. How do you and your board maintain relevance uh, as an organization to America's youth, even as the world is changing around them and their technology is changing and their communication is changing so much. How do you stay relevant? Sure. That's such a good question. Um, we have always been an organization that is about innovating, and if something's not working, uh, change it. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're very – innovation is kind of our key But the other part is that the process that we'll talk about a little later is really driven by the young people. So they're the ones who keep us relevant because they take the framework and they innovate and bring what they know and care about to it. So we've seen shifts in terms of young people doing more video, using social media as a strategy for outreach. Mm -hmm. One example, this year in partnership with the Staples Foundation for Learning, we're launching what we're calling the Urban Environment Challenge that is a direct appeal to young people in urban communities around the country to figure out how they think they should be addressing climate change issues as they impact their communities uniquely. So a lot of it is that the issues also drive the relevance. Right. We don't need to really change what we... um, Our framework doesn't need to change because the innovation comes from the user. I love it. I love it because you've got a tried and true foundation upon which, you know, it can be built in any different number of ways based on the actual users. I think that's that's terrific. Now, in terms of the kids themselves, do you see any difference in the youth of 2010 versus the kids that you worked with back in 1994? I mean, are they any more literate in environmental education than back then, or is the chasm still as great as it was at the genesis of your work? What are you finding? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say that young people certainly have access to considerably more environmental information. I think the sad part is that we haven't given them the skills that necessarily hasn't changed that really helps them be discerning about that information or that gives them a context for doing something about what they're being inundated with often around environmental concerns. So I think the need for us to help develop their skills as problem solvers and critical thinkers and really kind of actors in our civic system has not changed. The other thing for me is that I think as a country, we're remarkably ahistorical. So, <laughs> Good point. You know, I, the issues that people were worried about in 1994 have not necessarily gone away. We have some different strategies for addressing them, but uh, they're still there. And I think often young people feel like this generation hung them out to dry when mm-hmm. I think the generation in 1994 
likewise had that feeling of they'd been hung out to dry by the generation before them. So I think the perspective that these problems don't go away, and every time we think we might have actually solved them, we've probably created some other problems. <laughs> right. That, so it's an evolution and it's a lifelong commitment that we all have to make to environmental issues. And um, so... Well, yes, I think you've hit on an important no. point, and that is, you know, oftentimes organizations, and, you know, I've seen a million of them uh, in the nonprofit world and even, you know, different ad campaigns where the belief seems to be that information will ultimately lead to action, that if we can make information sexy enough or scary enough or uh, visually impactful enough that somehow that will trickle down into action. And the fact is, that's just not true, because as you mentioned, without the skill set to take information and put it into action, I mean, that takes a lot of confidence. Whether you're a kid or whether you're an adult, it takes a lot of confidence to say, okay, I know something to be true, but the act of actually going and advocating for policy change is a, is a completely different set of of skill sets altogether, and I think you've really recognized that in your organizational work. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. I think our, our assumption that if we put the information out there that the change will come has been, it, it's so discouraging, for one, because it just doesn't work. And I think for young people, we really see our process and strategy as a way to get them beyond that I think the inherent frustration that would happen from making a brochure and then realizing that um, no one ever read them. Right. And that that's, it's really important, I agree, that, that we need to look at the triumvirate of skills, attitudes, and dispositions along with knowledge, which is what I would classify what people think of information distribution as. Right. Well, now let's dig into your program. Tell us more about what... Earth Force does. Just give us the uh, the Reader's Digest version. We'll talk specifically about various components of your organization in a, in a little bit, mm-hmm. but just give us an idea about what your program is. Yep. Great. Um, first of all, our strategy is, there are two pieces you need to understand about our strategy. One is that young people don't gain the skills as civic actors with one experience. So we need to embed young people with an opportunity to have multiple experiences to basically practice. So it's like learning how to swim. You know, you don't get it the first time. And secondly, it's really important to understand that civic action in America, probably everywhere, is about partnerships. It's about understanding how to work with stakeholders. And it's about developing strategies for basically long-term action. We are committed to, one, ensuring young people have multiple opportunities, and two, that we're working in partnership with lots of other entities to help accomplish this civic change. And the way we do that is that we work in a community context. So we look to building partnerships with schools, neighborhood organizations, uh, local businesses around using our process, which is adult-supported, in helping young people identify an issue in their community and then going through a very strategic stepwise process where these young people identify a strategy for addressing that issue. So actually, we work with adults and partners 
who then work with the young people in their community to address a local issue. I think that's perfect because that's very similar, as many of my listeners will remember when I've talked about the nuts and bolts of the Go Green initiative, you know, my my program that I've been working on. Uh, A lot of organizations have failed in the past when it comes to environmental education in making their program and their trainers the primary teachers or the primary ones to interface with the students. In every community, there's already a group of adults who are trusted, you know, either educators or parents or, you know, nonprofit folks who already deal with children. And by your organization working with them and training them, um, it really has a much more grassroots feel, I'm sure. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like that would be uh, a much more comfortable situation for the students to work with adults they already know. Absolutely. Well, and who are of their community as well, because it's, it's the issues the young people are going to identify are relevant for everyone who lives in that community. So it creates that network of partners. I also want to say that um, our focus is primarily in low-income and communities of color and really trying to build the political um, capital and capacity within these communities to address issues that um, if you've looked at any of the environmental justice kind of mm-hmm. um, that field, that a lot of these communities bear and a disproportionate burden of a lot of the environmental issues that we see. So true. So, and we'll talk more about this. I, I am sorry we have to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we'll touch more upon what you just said. It's a great point you made, Dr. Bardwell. Folks, don't go away. We'll be right back in just a moment with more Go Green Radio. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you. Every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. 
Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa provides homeowners and investors eager to invest well in real estate the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus will be the paradigm. Live where you want. Invest where it makes the most sense. Listen live to the brightest minds in real estate investment every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa, where America learns to invest. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, folks. I have a really fun special announcement. A few weeks ago, we had uh, a a topic called Gardens in Gotham, and we were talking about um, the Grow New York City, Grow NYC organization that's been around for about 40 years in uh, the city of New York and the Big Apple there, and they're doing a lot of great events in the city of New York uh, involving hundreds of thousands of people. They have community gardens. They have green markets. Um, they're training immigrant farmers to grow food that they're selling, even taking um, food stamp programs at their green markets, providing fresh produce. They just have amazing events going on. And this coming week on Wednesday, September 29th, they have one of the biggest green events in the city going on. And I want all of my New York City area listeners to check it out. It's going to be in the heart of Manhattan, right down in Union Square Park. It's from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. There'll be a program that's going to be live 11.30 to 12. They're going to have but really fun, family-friendly uh, things going on there. If you want to check out more information, go to www.grownyc.org and check out their new Green City event calendar. They're going to have uh, rainwater harvesting, some fun things for the kids. There's the Green Man performing for the Kids' Corner. They'll have a scavenger hunt and some park walking tours. So check it out. Again, the website is www. Dot grownyc.org slash newgreencity. There's going to be a lot of fun next Wednesday, September 29th, right in the heart of Manhattan in Union Square Park, so check it out. Well, today our show is all about an organization called Earth Force. If you want to check out their website, if you're just joining us, don't close this tab in your web browser. Keep listening to us on voiceamerica.com, but check out a new tab in your web browser and go to earthforce.org. We are on with their CEO, Dr. Lisa Bardwell, and we're talking about the programs that they've got going on all over the country to help young people not just understand environmental issues, but actively engage in the public policy making and civic engagement um, to actually help shape the public policy in their communities. Again, Dr. Bardwell, thanks for joining us on Go Green Radio. We're so glad to have you. Oh, thank you, Joe. Now, since your work deals with public policy, I have to ask, how do you navigate through special interest groups that might try to influence schools or students? I mean, how do you teach students to navigate through the politics of public policy? Mm 
that's I, as always, I have two, two different kinds of answers. One of them is that the process that the young people use to address the issues that they identify really emphasizes the importance of multiple perspectives and of them uh, doing research that gives, lets them look at the different, um, you know, different views, different perspectives, and different strategies for addressing them. So we force them almost through the process to say, I can't just adopt one view. I need to understand what are the conflicting or, or contributive perspectives on the issue. The second is, um, we really thought this was going to be an issue when we started, mm-hmm. that young people were going to be taking the world by the horns, and we were going to be running as fast as we could behind them to catch up and try and make sure there wasn't too much um, you know, they weren't raising too much hell, so to speak. <laughs> but it turns out, one, we work, our program is primarily targeted at middle school age students. And what we've learned is that the realm of policy and really thinking about how do you change public policy is very new to them, and it's foreign to their teachers as well. Mm-hmm. So I would say getting young people to really understand what is a policy and how do we change it is one of the most challenging pieces of our work, um, and that it often happens because the educators themselves haven't had that kind of civic background in education. You know, knowing how to change a law does not mean you really have the, the wherewithal or kind of the step-by-step strategic understanding of what does it take to get there. Well, and I so, think, too, you know, that kind of comes from parents. I mean, like my kids have <laughs> have followed me to, to you know school board meetings and city council meetings and they've you know they've actually seen me take the mic and make a stand you know mm-hmm. but that isn't necessarily the norm and if if kids haven't seen civic engagement modeled you know by their parents then you know it, a teacher can't teach kids everything and so it occurs to me that perhaps you know the the parents can be helpful in this regard as well Sure, sure. And I I think, let me just say the other part about our process and the work that we do that's so critical is that the young people are at front and center. And so we're challenging them to make their own choices. So, um, you know, when you think about even their parental input or a special interest, Mm -hmm. the process is really adamant that we want the young people to lead based on what they've learned and what they care about and that the Adult input is uh, information and input, but it is not like you have to do what the adults say. Right. So uh, right. we, we really push this youth-led, youth voice portion of what we do. And it's, Very let me just say, Jill, when you let young people do that, their voice, their clarity, their creativity is mind-boggling and refreshing and encouraging. Well, and and that is the truth. I mean, even just um, in some of the videos that we've seen, uh, not just through your organization and mine, but um, I recall a a youngster, I think she was maybe 13, I don't think she was any older than that, who addressed the UN. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's nothing like the voice of a child saying, this is my world, this is my future, and... I, you know, this is what needs to happen. I mean, it, it really does give 
everyone a new perspective on the ramifications of their actions and their decisions. I really would love for you to share the six steps of Earth Force with our listeners. This is so unique. I really think it sets your organization apart from the crowd. Go Walk us through those six steps, if you would. Sure. And let me frame this, that what these steps are, one, no one is going to think they're rocket science. They're mm. really around good problem solving. And we've built them off of um, a, a teaching tradition or pedagogy that's called service learning, where you really embed people's, young people's academic learning within the context of <clears throat> implementing or doing something in their community that improves it. Mm-hmm. So the steps are one, the young people do a community inventory, like what's, what's happening in my community? What are some environmental issues? Also, what are some of the resources that we might need to call on as we identify the issue we're going to actually work on? And once they have, um, from that inventory, they get a, a list of issues, and they go through a democratic process using criteria for figuring out which of those issues are we going to address. And once they've narrowed down that issue and really kind of honed in on what's it going to be, they do um, their research, which is step three, which is research, and everyone kind of groans, but it's really pretty fun, um, where they identify and analyze what are some public policies, private policies, and community practices that are impacting the issue that they've selected. The next step, they again use this process that I love to pieces where they as a group establish criteria for making a decision that they select a strategy or group of strategies that they think are going to address that issue that they've identified. And they basically are identifying kind of what are some project options that we could do that will actually address our issue for the long term. You know, young people deciding we're going to do a trash pickup is not a long-term solution to an issue. They've got to think about what are the causes underneath why there's trash in the park and try and address that part of the issue. Right. Then they finally get to do what young people have been, they've been, you know, chomping at the bit to do. They've gone through five, four steps before they actually get to take action and plan out how are we going to do our project, whether it's raise money, um, you know, get public awareness out there, get some more people involved. They've got to think about how are we going to implement this project and do that systematically. And then a critical part of service learning and the process is that you're reflecting as you go along and really making sure what you're doing is getting you where you want to go. But the sixth step is a really concerted reflection process where they look at what have we accomplished, what got in the way, what would we do differently next time, and how are we going to make sure that our, pro- our project has the opportunity to be long-term and sustainable. And then, of course, they get to celebrate their successes, which is a really important piece, but it also has to be embedded in the recognition of, and the kids always bring this to their perspective of like, yeah, we did finish this part, but there's so much more to do. Um, So the celebration is both the looking back and ahead part of the process. Do you have information on, I mean, this is really fascinating, what happens like the next year? Do you have multi-year, you know, students involved Mm -hmm. year over year and and continuing the work of their initial project? I think, you know, I mentioned before that we recognize that the one-time opportunity doesn't do it for the young person. Mm -hmm. And so one of the recognitions that we have over our years of doing this work is that 
having what I call legacy projects, which is something where the young people can come back and either continue a project, pick up on a project that other young people have done, is a really important piece of our community strategy because it's too hard to sustain that if we're relying on one teacher or one educator in an after-school setting to really sustain that. So we see it where we have young people who've helped set up community gardens or where they've adopted a nearby natural area. But we really want to embed that in more of our projects so that the young people can, one, come back and see what they've done grow, but also so that the communities actually have some sustained input to some of these projects the young people do. Right. Well, there's another program on your website that uh, is is really, really, uh, in terms of a legacy project, it's been around for, I think, at least 20 years, and that's the General Motors Green Program. Tell us more about that. That's a watershed protection program. Talk about how EarthForce is involved with that. Sure. And that is a great example of the long-term impact and young people being able to come back year after year because the GM Green is a place-based program. And where it started um, is, well, the goal one is to help young people understand water quality and to really help them understand how to use that as a resource and a data point for addressing other environmental issues. So it's sort of the, the anchor for understanding the holistic part of how environmental problems are all connected. And it came out of, um, in 1985, there, Bill Stapp is one of the pioneers of environmental education nationally and internationally. And he, with a group of students who were worried about water quality in Ann Arbor, started this program. And General Motors stepped up very quickly to support this program that has actually went international. Um, and the way Green works for EarthForce right now is that it's funded wherever General Motors has facilities. So in that, those communities, we have a group of partners that includes General Motors, the schools, usually a watershed partner, who work together with young people to do water quality monitoring and use that as a data resource um, for really thinking about what are some issues related to the watershed where we live, and then the young people use the EarthForce process to address that. That's fantastic. I mean, what a great example of a partnership between schools, the community, a corporate sponsor, and an NGO. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we've got much, much more to talk about with EarthForce and their CEO, Dr. Lisa Bardwell. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we'll have more Go Green Radio for you, so don't go away. We'll be right back after this quick commercial message. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. 
Listen to the stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. For our regular listeners, you have probably started looking forward to this next segment as much as I have. It's our regular segment of green news from two teenagers down in L.A. who rock my world. They are a brother and sister team, Elijah and Marley, and they are uh, part of Global Broadcast for Kids. My good friend Scott McGinnis is the producer of GB4K. They have an awesome website. Check it out, GB4K.com. And they, uh, Global Broadcast for Kids um, has a lot of cool news segments for children, but their green news that I have been working with them on the Go Green initiative. So we're going to go ahead and play that segment for you, Green News from GB4K. Globalbroadcastforkids.com presents GBK Green News in association with the Go Green initiative, from one kid to another. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Marley. And Elijah. Here with GB4K's Green News in association with the Go Green Initiative on Go Green Radio, and we're going to get started. South Florida is beginning to use hydraulic hybrid technology on garbage trucks, a move that reduces, reduces emissions and saves fuel. Miami Hialeah and Miami-Dade County all were scheduled to take delivery of AutoCar E3 refused vehicles. Trash truck maker AutoCar LLC has partnered with Parker Hannafin Corp. to create the hydraulic hybrid vehicles that captures and stores energy while used while braking. The stored energy is then used to start moving the truck again. Well, so what? So what? The Go Green Initiative says when cars are rated for fuel efficiency, they get two basic scores. How many miles per gallon in the city and on the highway. That's because vehicles use a lot more gas when they are stopping and starting a lot while driving in town. Think about garbage trucks. All they do all day is start and stop. 
So, Autocars, the U.S. company that focuses 100% on garbage trucks, has created a great way to eliminate the big injection of fuel needed to get a garbage truck moving after it is stopped. And that will end up saving a lot of gas and lowering the amount of emissions those trucks contribute to the air. Nearly 55.5 billion aluminum cans were recycled in the United States in 2009, an increase of about 2.3 billion cans or 4% over the year before. The proportion of aluminum cans collected last year for recycling rose 3.2 percentage points from 2008 to 57.4%. The Aluminum Association, Can Manufacturers, Institute, and Institute of Scrap Recycling Industries said, Well, so what? Well, the Go Green Initiative says, when aluminum cans are made out of recycled aluminum, it costs less money to make the can and uses only 5% of the energy it would take to make a new can out of raw materials. This keeps the price down for drinks and aluminum cans and helps conserve energy that can be used for other things like cooling your house or cooking our food. The only thing keeping America from recycling 100% of our aluminum is us. If we all make sure that our cans end up in the right recycling container, we can help save energy and money. Japan's Nissan Motor Company said on Wednesday they went to reuse lithium-ion batteries for electric cars, so they joined up with the 4R Energy Corporation. Nissan, which develops and produces the lithium-ion batteries, wants to lower the high cost of electric vehicles by eventually giving their expensive batteries a second life through reuse, resale, refabrication, and recycle. Nissan also wants to lead the market for battery-run electric vehicles with a global launch of a mass scale in 2012. The new all-electric Nissan LEAF is due to hit the, J the Japanese and U.S. markets this December. Well, so what? So what? Well, the Go Green Initiative says this is a cool solution for several reasons. It addresses one of the biggest issues for people driving electric cars. What do we do when our battery dies? So recycling the batteries, like using them to store energy for, from solar or wind farms, is a great solution because then the batteries won't end up in landfills and they can allow us to use renewable energy more efficiently. On days when it is really sunny or very windy, these batteries can store excess energy to be used later. This is a really smart idea from Nissan that will extend the benefits of purchasing an electric car far beyond your own tailpipe. And now for some Go Green Initiative updates. New businesses that have just joined the Go Green Initiative. GEB Medical, New York, New York. Here are some new schools that have just joined the Go Green Initiative. JEB Stewart Elementary, Richmond, Virginia. Colegio de las Americas, Encinita, Mexico. Laurel Hill School, North Hollywood, California. SUNY Ulster County Community College, Stone Ridge, New York. Organizations that have just joined the Go Green Initiative. Going Green, nonprofit organization, Caliban, Philippines. Youth for Green, San Bernardino, California. My Day Creek Elementary, PTA, Houston, Texas. Frederick Douglass High School, PTA, Chicago, Illinois. And Mission Enstanisa, PTA, Carlsbad, California. All right, guys, this is Marley. And Elijah. Signing off with GB4K's Green News in association with the Go Green Initiative on Go Green Radio. Um, and make sure you do one thing a day to help the environment, like take two minutes less in your shower. Recycle your bottles and cans. Whatever you can do. Until next time, guys. Goodbye, Bye. guys. Bye. See you later. GBK Green News. Copyright 2010. Globalbroadcastforkids.com. Well, what do you think, Lisa? Aren't those kids great?
Absolutely, and I one thing I really appreciate is the um, the, the the fact, and then the so what piece because I think a lot of us don't. Um, we call it life cycle analysis, but that thinking about the full cycle or the full circle of implications of what we do, every one of the ones they, they chose to describe is data-driven and has that thinking that says, you know, maybe I don't need to throw that away, or maybe there's another way we can um, use energy. And so having that thinking coming from these young people has got to be just inspiring for everyone, including adults. Yep, I think when you hear it out of the mouths of, of kids like that, it really does challenge all of us, adults included, mm-hmm. to, uh, to think more critically ourselves. Yep. Now, I want to get back to your organization because I just love what EarthForce is doing. Folks, if you're just joining us, we're talking with the CEO of EarthForce, and I invite you to check out their website, which is www.earthforce.org. Now, EarthForce happens in and out of the classroom. Talk with us, if you would, about... Um, Earth Force outside of the classroom, and talk about some of your favorite success stories. Mm-hmm. Well, what I want to talk about specifically was some of the summer programs we did this summer. Um, we were funded through the, the Corporation of National and Community Service, is really the big service learning grantor in the country from the government side. And they supported what's called the Summer of Service, where young people could engage around um, environmental or disaster preparedness. They needed to give 100 hours of service, and we made it 100 hours of service learning, of course, and they would receive a $500 um, education stipend for uh, any kind of education that they would do after high school. And so we had programs across the country where young people were using the EarthForce process to address environmental issues through this program. And one of the ones um, I just love was in a little town near Albuquerque called Belen where the young people focused on food security and did all kinds of things in their community, ranging from um, addressing the quality of their parks to planting gardens, um, looking at noxious weeds and native plants, and then really thinking about what food security looks like in their community and talking to community gardeners, community food pantry, a whole range of people to really help them think about how could they make sure that their community has access to fresh foods and vegetables and, obviously, access to local food? And so the kids did veggie growing boxes at three of their schools to donate food to a local food pantry, amongst other things. That is really inspiring because, you know, a lot of people think that kids in America especially just have no idea, and and I think there's some truth to this, have no idea where their food comes from except through the Mm drive-through window. Yep. Uh, McDonald's or, you know, some other fast food or, uh, you know, entity. And so for kids to even choose that as a topic, I think is kind of inspiring because it gives us some indication that they understand that perhaps, you know, the food that we have so plentifully in the United States mm-hmm. comes from somewhere. It could be uh, threatened and it's got to be something we protect and think about. Um, and, and I think that's a really inspiring project, actually. Yep. Um, I, I would love to see all of that captured on video to be shared across the U.S. Um, that would be terrific, you know. That's a great idea. They're actually part of the evaluation that they did was there was a video um, 
component of the evaluation of all of the sites, and I should see what, what came out of that. That'd be great to share with you. Well, and, and I would definitely make sure that we shared that and pointed folks to your website and to your Facebook page, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, um, to share that kind of information. That's why organizations like ours come together. We just share our networks and share great stories. Well, we've got to take a quick commercial break, but we're going to be back in just a few minutes, just a couple seconds here while we uh, pay the bills and thank our sponsors. But we'll be right back in just a moment with more Go Green Radio. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? or 14%. Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. The Interstate Sportsman Talk Radio Show brings two well-known outdoorsmen to the Voice America Network with hunting and fishing info news, talking about everything from new sporting gear, places to hunt and fish, and getting more from your recreation time. Join hosts Brock Ray and Don Kirk Friday mornings at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 Eastern, for the Interstate Sportsman on the Voice America channel. Go inside the world of PR with PR Insider, hosted by public relations expert Maureen Kettis. Maureen will speak to the world's highest profile PR pros from the fields of marketing, advertising, and sales. And PR Insider will feature renowned members of the media as special guests. Maureen will give you a VIP access pass, including tips and tricks to take your business to the next level. PR Insider with Maureen Kettis, sponsored by Cision, us.cision.com. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Back to Go Green Radio. I'm so glad that you joined us. If you've been enjoying this broadcast as much as I have as we've been talking with the CEO of Earth Force and you wish that some of your friends and colleagues would have heard this broadcast, don't worry because guess what? We're syndicated on Voice America's Green Talk Network, which is the green-only channel of voiceamerica.com, so check us out. We will play several times the same broadcast over the, the course of the next week. You can definitely catch us next Tuesday from 9 to 10 Pacific, noon to 1 Eastern Time, and everybody in between do the math. It's next Tuesday on the Green Talk Network and a few more times if you check us out on that website, that 
click of a button if you go to voiceamerica.com and find the Green Talk Network. So we are on with the CEO of EarthForce.com. Their website is EarthForce, I'm sorry, EarthForce.org, Dr. Lisa Bardwell. And we've been talking about some of the great things that they have going on, not just in the U.S., but all over the world. And in fact, Lisa, I would love for you to talk to us about some of your students who went to Brazil and what they did there. Um. This was really a wonderful thing that we got to participate in. We were approached by a group to have our young people who had been working on issues in their community come together to develop what was called a charter of responsibility for the environment. So we had young people from four communities across the country develop a local charter around what was their responsibility and commitment to the environment. They presented it to local policymakers. They came together to develop a national one, and then these young people went as the representatives of the United States to an international conference on children and the environment in Brazil, where they shared our national charter with young people from 50 other countries who developed an international charter of environmental responsibilities that they are then each taking back to their own decision makers in their countries. And so we were very honored as EarthForce to be able to have our young people do that, but also to know that we were sending um, some representatives of the United States who have made a really deep commitment to improving their environment and their communities. And the name of that, the, the website for the group, the large international conference, is www.letstakecareoftheenvironment, all one word, .net. And it's a truly inspiring event to have all those young people taking that kind of leadership. Well, and you know, you talked about earlier in the show that kids need to practice civic mm-hmm. engagement. And uh, I, I would venture to say that, you know, there are probably a good deal of decision makers in the United States who are grown-ups today who didn't get that kind of practice, who didn't go to international conferences like this, work together with their peers from other countries so that they could do the same thing when they grew up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and exactly. so you are helping to engage students in this kind of practice that I I hope and fully expect will lead to similar uh, inclinations when they're grown-ups to collaborate with their peers in other countries. I just love that story. You know, you are really branching out um, and, and you've recognized something that a lot of organizations understand, and that is we, if we want to be heard and if we want to communicate with kids and the adults around them, we've got to go where they are gathered. And one of the places where those age group kids and, and the adults around them are gathering is Facebook, and you have mm-hmm. some really cool stuff on your Facebook page. Give our listeners kind of a preview of what they'll find there, and better yet, give them some reasons to go back over and over again. Yeah, well, first of all, we're revamping our website, so Facebook is really a better place to go at this point. <laughs> um, and I think for me what I've realized is that Facebook is a place where you know, it's hard to understand what's happening when people are doing a, a community process. You don't really want to hear about it when it's all over. It's much easier and exciting and involving to hear about it as it happens. And Facebook is just such a cool medium for that because you can tell people before, during, and after what's going on. And I think as an engagement tool, that's very exciting. Um, the other thing that's happening that's, that's kind of interesting is that Staples Foundation for Learning, which is one of our funders, is doing a Twitter contest, which is kind of Facebook. 
Um, and so they're actually asking us to enlist supporters to sign up for Twitter and to go and click and vote for EarthForce as one of the um, nonprofits that Staples will um, donate money to, depending on how many clicks and votes we get. So one thing is, if you're on our Facebook site, there is a the Twitter connection that would send you to that. And if we could get some voters supporting us, it would be very exciting. We could get up to $25,000 to support young people across the country uh, doing this environmental work. We have a lot of tweeps, a lot of our Twitter peeps who are out there, uh, and they listen to our show regularly. So if you guys are listening, and I know you are, check out EarthForce's uh, Facebook page. You can get to it through their website, um, which is earthforce.org. Click on their Facebook link. Get on their Facebook page and, and click away with the Twitter Staples Contest and help them get that funding to help kids across the U.S. Now, I'm going to ask you to look into your crystal ball. We have a few minutes left before the end of the show. Lisa, where do you see Earth Force as an organization in the next two to three years? What are your goals? Mm-hmm. Well, we have some numericals, you know, one of which is to approximately double the number of young people we work with from 19,000 to 30,000 per year. But I think more important than that, um, we want those young people to be, as I mentioned before, young people living in low-income communities or communities that are in, at risk environmentally. That's really important to us that those communities have the skills and opportunity to really change their quality of life. And I think the bigger piece is that we want to build a cohort and a network of partners across the country that really recognize that young people, given a scaffolded process for addressing environmental issues in their communities, can be leaders and change agents today. We don't need to wait. And so we're looking to be doing this kind of deep, what we call a deep community model, in 60 communities across the country, um, where there is a network of us working together, both schools, universities, community-based organizations, parents, um, really together opening up that opportunity for young people to take the leadership there. I love that. I love what you said about we don't need to wait. Kids can lead today. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, isn't that the point of American public schools? Um, We're supposed to be bringing up the next generation of leaders in our society, and and they really are uh, incredibly successful when allowed to do that and when encouraged to do that. I think that's Mm -hmm. terrific. You know, we've got a couple minutes left in the show. I'll bet that we have a lot of listeners out there who are already checking out your website, already checking out your Facebook page, and are super excited to support EarthForce. What can they do to help you? I knew you were going to ask me this question. Um, I mean, <laughs> well, we, want, is... we want a call to action, so to speak, exactly. for our listeners. What can they do to get involved and help you achieve your very noble mission? Well, one, they can, they can do that little tweet on the Twitter. <laughs> seriously, um, I think for me the, most, the reason I do this work is that as a young person, no one ever asked me, what did I care about? And nor did anyone ever give me that opportunity to say, I could actually solve a problem in my community and give me that support. So when I, I think for me the bigger mission that I hope all of us can step up to the plate around 
is to take that moment and really listen to a young person about what do they care about in their community around the environment. And, you know, and that's not just the trees and the bunnies. It's around drink air, air quality. It's around drinking water. It's around access to healthy food. And young people care about those things. That we listen and then we work together as adults to create the opportunity in our communities for their voice to be heard. Um, collectively, we need to do that. And I hope that folks can do that in that context. Wow, that was powerful. I mean, that, that was a great way to end the show. And I thank you, Lisa, for your hard work. And I want to send a big thank you to all of your staff as well. Uh, what you're doing is very important. It could mean the difference in a, in a great quality of living for our kids in the future. And I, I really want to thank you for all your hard work and dedication. And thank you for joining us on Go Green Radio. Folks, we are going to be back same time, same place next week. So be sure to join us for more Go Green Radio. Get some terrific ideas from today's show. Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.